question. One, I think there's a very strong possibility that there is no Iron Throne at the end. You talk, you're yeah. right. I totally agree that there is going to be a massive amount of decimation. And I think that may involve King's Landing being destroyed yep. uh, or, or nearly destroyed, which would uh, maybe create, you know, make it difficult for anyone to pick up the pieces and rule the whole realm after it's so devastated. However, I completely agree that if it's, if it is if there still is an Iron Throne at the end, fantastic. Alrighty, gang, welcome back to Adventure Radio. Today, me and Tommy talk to uh, Game of Thrones. Would you call him a nerd, Tommy? Oh, he's a get. No, he's a, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a, he's a, it was great. I loved him. Lovely, I loved him. Lovely guy. Yep. As is Aldori. Um, Sounds very Jewish, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a it's really Jewish. weird, weird name. It's a very strange, strange. name. Yeah. When you chuck an A and a Z together, yeah. you know, you're, you're not normal. But, yeah, Aziz <laughs> Al-Shamak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, no, he's an absolute champion. So he, um, he has... Uh, podcast called um the westeros history of westeros history, history of westeros podcast yep um and he's basically a game of thrones um entrepreneur super he's made nerd. a business yeah, yeah super nerd. he's made a business he's made his life out of um his love for game of thrones so yep it was fascinating we asked all the big questions who's going to sit the iron throne um what else are we asking? <laughs> That's about it, really. Yeah. It was just a short show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was great. It was so good. So you, all you Game of Thrones nerds out there, um, join the fold. Uh, I am one of them. Tommy's a, Tommy's a semi-nerd. Semi-nerd. Aziz is a mega-nerd. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we can all nerd out together over the next hour. So you'll love this show. Over a biscuit. Over a biscuit. Um, so this show is brought to you guys by True Protein. So True Protein, that was started by James and Ben Kirith in the lovely seaside suburb of... I don't really know. And, uh, <laughs> and they, uh, they basically provide the best protein on the market. So they have 14 flavors of protein. Tommy, what's your favorite flavor? Chocolate spice. Chocolate spice. Chocolate yeah. spice. Chocolate spice. Uh, you can find the chocolate spice flavor on uh, nobody's website. Yeah, nobody's but, website. But it's have... actually the History of Westeros website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but true protein, man. Tommy been using true protein. No, for... I do like chocolate. I do like their chocolate. I do um, like their chocolate flavor. Uh, T T Tommy and I have been using uh, True Protein for bloody ages now, and it's been great. It was really good that the True Protein gang wanted to get involved, so uh, now they're a sponsor of the show, and you lucky listeners can wrap your lucky lips around a 10% discount. Also cater all to all the uh, all the vegans. There's a um, vegan range that uh, that is for all of our vegetarian and vegan friends out there. Um, all you all you vegan <laughs> vegan nerds out there. Yep, vegan nerds. But um, no, there's vegan stuff and uh, yeah. Um, the votes. Guys, guys uh, 10% off. Use the code ADVF at trueprotein.com.au. Let me just double check that that is um, the correct. Uh, you want to just talk about True Protein while I just double check the sure uh, link there? Thing. One of my very good friends. <laughs> Trueprotein.com.au. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> um, also, guys, we're giving away two holidays with uh, with True Protein, so that can be found at AdventureFit Travel's Facebook page. There's a tagged post up the top there. You can enter the draw there. Um, so that's sick. And we're also brought to you by AdventureFit Travel. So, guys, Tommy is one of our renowned coaches at AdventureFit Travel. Hello. And, uh, and uh, Tommy, where have you been? Which, which trips have you been on? I've done Bali, Mexico, and Iceland. So three cool. trips. Looking forward to a fourth. Cool, cool. Yeah. Do you want to uh, lead the next Bali trip by, by any chance in June? 
haven't asked you about this. We'll ask you on air. So ask me on air, right? Yeah. Uh, um, um, I could, yeah. I yeah. Could. I'll have to look at my sketch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check the sketch. That sounds inch. Yeah, yeah. There you I, go, I just, guys. Travel, I just abbreviated inch. Travel, uh, <laughs> travel with Tommy to uh, to Bali in June. He's just said that he's 100 percent convinced. No, but um, so we've got lots of cool stuff coming up though. Next trip we do have coming up is um. Bali in June. Then we have uh, Greece. I'll be leading that one in June also. That's going to be sick. August, we have uh, Vietnam. That just sold out super quick. We're going to run another one of that, so you won't miss out there if you want to get involved. Um, We're just about to release South Africa. By the time this comes out, it should be live. Right. And, uh, yeah, Iceland's coming up again. So you want to travel with like-minded people, hang out with cool cool cats like me and Tommy. We are uh, the coolest of the cats. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, then... Head to www.adventuretravel.com. Use the code radio for 10% off. Here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where can we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. All right, guys, welcome back to Adventure Street Radio. We are sitting here with Abishar Aziz Al or we're going to call him for the sake of um, Steve. me and Tommy. We'll call him Steve. Yeah, we're going to call him Steve today. <laughs> no, we're going to call him. <laughs> we're going to call him Aziz. And. Uh, Aziz is a Game of Thrones uh, historian to a, to a degree. I'd say. Uh, and before we throw over to uh, Aziz and welcome him in, we're going to give him uh, Tommy's tribute um, with <coughs> a little bit of Doc's... Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of me. A little bit of Doc's family feud. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> There we go. All right, so. And then how do we go? Let's go. So you go, you go. Right, kick it off again. Here we go. Here we go. And Aziz Al-Duri is a man. He will tell you everything he can. He runs a podcast known as History of Westeros. Aziz gets all the girls cause he's a boss. What's the inside scoop with Khaleesi's ring? Is she fake or is she wearing a wig? I'm obsessed with Khaleesi, I'm sure you're too. We're going to last a little bit. It's sad, we'll never bone. Her because we look like poo. 
And finally, Aziz, are you a nerd or are you cool? This last little bit. Please take all our Game of Thrones fans to fucking school. <laughs> Welcome, mate. Oh, shit. I don't know if I held up mine of the bargain, but um, it was great. Uh, Aziz, sorry for putting you through that, mate. Normally, it's a... It's a, normally it's a um, Guitar, a guitar ensemble, but um, yeah, but we decided to um, <laughs> mix it up today. So, I um, Aziz, so welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Right on. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I, uh, as you've gone through my name very well, I don't have to repeat that. But yes, History of Westeros podcast is our show, and I've been doing this for about six years. Um, I first read the books, the Game of Thrones books back in around 2000, 2001 mm. and just fell in love with them and got myself involved in the community and started doing, you know, posting and talking to people and thinking I knew what was going on. And, but I really was like Jon Snow. I knew nothing <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> but that was a long time ago. Well played. I remember... <laughs> I remember going through, like in 2006, hearing that HBO had picked up the pilot for the TV show, and there's a lot of excitement. People started fan casting all the way back then. It's a really long, fun process seeing this community grow from just a bunch of uh, cool nerds. <laughs> to answer the question, we don't see both at the same yeah. time. Doesn't really make any sense. Discussing does it? things on, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> On forums and, and having it grow to be just some this this phenomenon. It's a kind of a cultural, um, I guess you could call it a cultural phenomenon. It's a fan it's larger than mo- just about any fandom, with a few exceptions. You know, Harry Potter, Star Wars, or some bigger mm-hmm. ones out there. But mm-hmm. those are also a phenomena too. And it's really amazing to see how so many people come together and have fun over over a piece of entertainment. But you know, it is really good entertainment. It's really well made, both books and show. And uh, I love covering it. That's mm. great, man. So um, I'm not quite sure absolutely how this works in the in the grand scheme of your life, but are you full time in Game of Thrones? Is this what you do as a as a as a living? Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, wow. I have. Oh, I didn't it. start doing it that way, but you know, we did it for fun for just uh, just for <clears throat> kicks. Kind of when podcasting was a little bit newer, mm-hmm. um, there weren't a lot of people doing it. Uh, you know, it's grown a lot in the last five years or six years, but you know, it just started to become more and more viable. We grew over time and it just started to become a thing that it could be uh, something to do for a living if I made a push, if I worked at it. And I had the ability and the flexibility in my life to, to do that. And so we made the push. We started getting enough people suggesting that we tried to, you know, put more content out and to try and up our production and all this other stuff. So we took on the challenge and you know, it's been about three years since we monetized, and mm-hmm. I'd say the first year was a pretty big struggle, um, but by the second year, it was at least enough to get by, and now it's solid. You know, I'm yeah. doing well enough that we can you know, spend a little money on other people, bringing other people in and getting them paid so that they can contribute, and and, uh, and also just being established, being around, and just, you know, there's so many millions of fans of Game of Thrones, and there's so many of them that still just haven't even heard of us or any of the podcasts that are out there. So 
I feel like there's still a lot more to go in terms of in terms of growth and, and fun. Absolutely. Well, you'll get at least I would say two, maybe three listeners yeah. from uh, from after this show goes goes live. So that's really good. <laughs> me and Excellent. Tommy will be yeah. two of the three. That's right. and, um, yep. Me and Tommy will be two of the three, and then Mum will probably your, your mom, my mum will mom, kick in. If my mum, if my both their mums, that'll be four. You'll yeah, probably have right. four new listeners after this show. Yeah. So we're doing our bit for the uh, for the fandom. <laughs> but um, I, so. I've got so many questions, um, Aziz. I want to ask you, you, you mentioned um, <clears throat> that obviously Game of Thrones has been such a um, cultural phenomenon. Uh, it's one of the only things that I believe that the, the television show or the movie comes out and is pretty much... Oh, Lord of the Rings is another good example, um, but is, is yeah, you know up there on par with the actual original written work. Um, let me ask you, are you at your core, are you... I know what the answer is going to be. I feel like, but are you a book or a TV man? And how did you how did you grapple with the changes? Because I've read the books and I've watched the TV, and yeah. it took me a very long time to to get my head around being okay with the changes. And I'll tell you how I did that after your answer. But but how are okay. you books or TV? Or and how did you deal with the whole when we started going off track with the TV? Well, um, I did. I'm certainly a book guy. I read the books, you know, long time before the show, about 10 years before the show came out. And, you know, like a lot of people, it's kind of where you started is kind of what you prefer. Although I think a lot of people, you know, picked up the show and then read the books and and ended up preferring that. But it's hard to compare. You know, I I think um, I understand a lot of the criticisms. I, I agree with a lot of the criticisms of the show, but it's such a different medium. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many things in the show that the books can't do. And there's so many things in the books that the show can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, just some examples. Some of the you know, there's nothing that replaces George's writing. No, nothing at all. And the, the, even when they borrow lines straight from the books. Well, maybe except when they borrow lines straight from the books. Um, you just can't write someone's inner thoughts that way. Yeah. You know, just, you can't project that on TV. But likewise, That's you right. can't have amazing acting in a book. You, yeah. know, you can't have this fantastic music in a book, right? Mm. These, just think, these things don't exist. So they just, parts of it are just so hard to compare. And I think some people get a little too far down one rabbit hole or the other, not realizing how hard it is to compare the two mm. because the mediums are so different. So I have plenty of criticisms for the show. There's a lot of things I would not have done if I were them, a lot of things that I would have done differently, a lot of things that I think they made a mistake on. But I also recognize it's a huge challenge adapting such a thing such a giant thing there's no way you could get it all into a tv show so you have to give them some consideration for the the parts of the process that we're not privy to i'm sure that in this writer room they probably had some big debates on what to not use and what to what to use mm-hmm. and it probably had some really tough cuts they were just like look we just don't have time to do this particularly awesome plot that we all love from the books and that's just how it goes but also as far as book, being a book fan goes, I can't deny that the show has brought millions, literally millions oh, of sure. new readers for to sure. the community. And so that is something that I give the show a lot of credit for, just expanding the world, bringing in new people. And when every time a new episode comes out, we do our podcast, we do several episodes on it, and it's just, <laughs> a, it's just a blast how everyone comes together and talks about it. And we have yet to have that experience with a new book because even though we've been doing this for six years, that's about when the last book came out. So yeah. we haven't been doing this when a major book release came out. And I'm really excited to experience that, even though it might not be for quite a while still. Mm. Um, it's going to be amazing. And, and, and the show has kind of given me a taste for what that's going to be like. So 
Yeah. I have a lot of praise for both. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I, I think um, the way that I look at it, the way that I was able to kind of uh, be okay with the changes from in the TV show, as the seasons would wear on, and and Lady Stoneheart wasn't involved, and and yeah. um, and Rob Stark's wife was totally different, and that, the, the story obviously was evolving, and I would get so frustrated. I'm like, how? Why? What are you doing? And then like, <laughs> the only way that I could, the only way that I could be at peace was I figured out in my head. I'm like, okay, the books is what really happened. And the TV show is my drunk mate at a bar telling me roundabouts. This is this is pretty much this is pretty much how it went I like, down. I like an alternate drunk universe. For <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So um, so that's how I've got my head around it. But I think, um, like you say, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how it goes when the new book comes out. It'll be very exciting. I think. Um, uh, it, it must be cool for you being able to release a podcast every week because people all around the world, I know I do, we would have, there's no other TV show on the planet that I've ever had nights for. So we would have Game of Thrones nights where all our friends would come around, we'd get cheese and dips and platters and beers and whatever and we would all sit there, we would Gosh. watch, yeah, yeah. We would watch the, um, the week before's episode and then we'd roll straight into the new episode so we were refreshed and then we were into the, the, the new exciting brand new one. Streamed illegally of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, like all good TV shows are. But uh, yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. So what, the, when, I, um, when I stumbled upon um, you and your... <clears throat> Podcast as these was through Daniele Bolielli and <coughs> History of Fire. Um, so that was really cool, really um, epic episode. And I personally have a bunch of questions I want to get your ideas on for like predictions and, 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 sure. and theories and stuff. But before we do, one of the things I think is most interesting about Game of Thrones is the historical significance. Can you um, touch on a bit of how George really molded the story around historical events and, and particularly um, the 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 Yorks and the Lancasters and, and the War of Roses right. and, and so forth? Yeah, so you mentioned you mentioned that episode we did, this collaboration with Daniele Bellelli of History on Fire, and uh, the idea there was to compare, you know, he's a history guy, and I, I love history too, and we just went through and com- compared a lot of real-world events with things that happened in Game of Thrones, knowing that they were inspira- inspired by, uh, or that George R. R. Martin took that inspiration from the real world. And... George, one of the things that he really likes to do is to make his setting, you know, realistic, which is kind of funny to think when you have dragons and things like that. That's not realistic at all. What? But what he means is that he wants <laughs> characters to behave realistically. Yeah. The setting is not realistic, but he wants his characters to behave the way real people would. And by putting them in a fantasy setting, that puts them in situations that real humans have never been in. But they're still you know, living, breathing people in terms of how they behave. It's very authentic. And that's one of the things I think that makes it all great is how well he does that. But, you know, there's also the issue of um, portrayal of, uh, or rather, a way to make sure you're doing things realistically is to borrow from history because then you know that you're grounded in things that have really happened. Mm -hmm. And George himself is a huge fan of history. He loves history, particularly loves the medieval period, but he's just been a fan of history all his life and he's, you know, approaching 70 years old so he's had a long time to mm-hmm. you know take in historical mm-hmm. facts part of, part of medieval it. history nearly the, the yeah. old boy <laughs> <laughs> right so, <laughs> so he's um he's included a lot every, and it's almost amazing how often we turn up new examples that we're pretty sure might be historical even the wildfire plot the blowing mm-hmm. up of the wildfire Cersei blowing up the wildfire at the end of season six there that's <laughs> Kind of similar to the gunpowder plot. Um, yeah. You know, because mm. even then they had a big issue with 
moving it. Once it was cap, once they captured all this gunpowder, they, they uncovered this plot. They still had this issue of what to do with all that gunpowder. They yeah. still had to get rid of it. <laughs> they still had to like you know, carry it out. And this is the same thing with the wildfire. That wildfire was left behind by mm-hmm. Ares, the mm-hmm. Mad King. Um, nobody knew it was there, and it's just sitting there. So it's kind of a that's kind of more of a loose parallel. But like you said, the Starks and the Lancat or the Starks and the Lannisters are parallel to the Lancasters and the Yorks. You can, you can see the similarity of their names. Mm-hmm. And then the War of the Roses is certainly uh, probably the number one historical event or series of events that relates to Game of Thrones uh, among, you know, uncountable other numbers of, of events. But And, and so just to many, jump in uh, there on the, on the Lancasters and the Yorks, so just because yeah. just I, I was fascinated when I found out this very fact because I've got a friend who's from York, Craig McCartney. Yeah. Craig McCartney's from, from York and we and he looks like a Viking and he looks like a wilding kind of like he looks like he's north he's north of the wall, you know? Or or, or yeah. Up, yeah, in the north. And so and the Lancasters so if if the Yorks were from obviously York, Yorkshire, so the Lancasters yeah. were from the south, right? They're from London. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no so if you look at England on a map, like mm. it's actually like geographically very, very. It's Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Game of Thrones, which it's just Westeros made big and then flipped one. Yeah, in. yeah. yeah it's not giant like in London because that means they're Lannisters, Wales, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Just right, even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and it's right, uh, kind of... <laughs> Yeah, cool. So, what's your favorite, like, out of all the things that they talk about, and whether they are actually direct um, borrowings from history or not? What's your favorite? Crossover in between Game of Thrones and, and history. I know there's a lot. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I do really like the the Wars of the Roses is a really big one just because it's so deep and the comparisons run so deep. There's so many. Like Robert Baratheon is basically <laughs> Edward the First and um, Richard the Second. Is it Richard the Second? I forget. Richard the Second. It's either Richard the Second or Richard the Third. I always forget. Mm-hmm. Is is like a combination of Ned Stark and Stannis. It's just really these this. It all fits so really well. Marguerite d'Anjou is a lot like Cersei. Um, so anyway, but there's uh, my favorite is really hard. Maybe I kind of go back and forth maybe on this, the, the one that I'm most <coughs> interested in the moment. And one that we talked about a lot in that crossover episode with Danieli Bellelli was these amazing parallels between the children of the forest and the Mexica, who are more commonly referred to as the Aztecs. But what they call themselves Mexica, as Danielle oh, points wow. out, so that's a, probably the right thing to call them. So, and they would use things like they used obsidian blades and uh, didn't use metalworking, and they had a lot of human sacrifice, and they I'd had never seen they'd never seen all, white people before. <laughs> so white it's really the shit. Uh, and it, we see all these things in, in Game of Thrones. You see the children of the forest, you know. Uh, <coughs> Sacrificing people to turn them into something else, or in the books, they're just it's just regular sacrifice. It's not just necessarily converting them into something. Mm-hmm. And the flaying tradition from the Boltons is something that the Mashika did a lot. They did a lot of flaying and wearing of skin mm-hmm. and things like that, wearing of human skin, and all this just really kind of, frankly, pretty darn disturbing stuff. It's good mm. that this thing is long, you know, six hundred and so years in the past and is long gone. But um, it kind of touches on. The, one of the things I really like about it is that it touches on it's a real thing. It's, it kind of shows that as gruesome as George can get, the real world is often far worse. And mm-hmm. I like that he draws these parallels to show us that the real world is just as bad or worse. And that it also captures that mysteriousness. It's like, wow, this is really, these people really believed that they had to kill 
these people they had to sacrifice them or the sun just wouldn't rise the next day yeah, God yeah. killed them all like yeah. it was a deeply held belief and it's just mind-blowing that how different that is to like our existence today you know you, and, you know uh, um in in the in the aztec um mm. at um, chichen itza there's the the famous ball court <clears throat> and they used to have yeah, um the mines to, the the my, no the aztecs oh the aztecs my, mines are um, the mines Chichen Itza in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, the mines, mines, yeah, the yeah. mines. Yeah, so they had the um, the famous the ball court, <clears> and it would be uh, it would be a great honor to be able to play in the ball court. And the team that won were lucky enough to get sacrificed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you want to lose. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, because we, me and Tommy did a, tr- uh, a trip out to Mexico, and we were getting a tour, and we were like, "Hang hey, a sec, did you just wait? Can you? I think you you you, you had it the other way around. Yeah, like yeah, if that's you, right. If you win, you, you get to kill all the guys that lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so yeah. that's the most fascinating parallel. I had no idea about that because if you think about the White Walkers trying to take over and, and absolutely t- killing everybody in their path, and they're evil, they're evil. That's yeah. so. That's to signif- signify the conquistadors and what they did to to the the the. Wow, that's wow, fucking incredible, that's fascinating. Yeah, right. And it's just, and it, it, it makes you realize that it's not really that different than a fantasy setting, right? Because mm, no. you have like, picture yourself as either side. If you're the the Spaniards invading, you're like. Holy crap! They're eating people and wearing their skins. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah. And then on the they're other side, you're the, yeah. you're the Mexica, and you're like, "What the heck? These guys are riding these giant beasts. They have war dogs, and they and yeah. the, the locals have never seen anything larger than a chihuahua. Yeah. And they're they're wearing metal, and it's and they have these Fuck guns. Up. They've never seen guns before. It's like this to them. It was a fantasy world. Like magic. It's, it's not really any different than. If you and I just saw dragons yeah. right now. Yeah, because <laughs> you, know, like, you would never have so seen them before. True. Perspective point of yeah, view, you know? so true. So, wow. so that Jeez. to me is like what one of the great things about the setting is that he focuses on the characters and um, the fact that the setting is so fantastical. Really, if you go back in, in, in the real world, you can find from a human perspective situations that must have seemed very much magical. Even more so. Or, you know, <laughs> beyond understanding, you know. Yeah, wow. absolutely. That's blowing my mind. Um, yeah, crazy, hey? Yeah. So, um, have you met the big dog? Have you met George have, yes. Aziz? I have met him several times, actually. Um, cool. Three or four times, I guess. I've had dinner with him oh, really? twice, and I hung out. One time we hung out in his hotel room, and uh, I still have a souvenir from that. He gave me a gave me a can of beer that I never drank. <laughs> I saved it. <laughs> yeah. He gave us, like, he, basically we were at a, a what we, one thing we do is uh, we have the strategy of, George is a very down-to-earth guy. He likes to go to conventions. He's been going to, to conventions since the 70s and uh, before he was famous. And even now that he's still famous, he still goes to conventions a lot less these days because he's trying to finish this book and he's got a really busy schedule. But he still goes every <coughs> once in a while. And, and I kid you not, in, in, uh, just this is three years ago, so not that long ago. The show is still ma- you know, massively popular yeah. even three years ago. And we're just at a convention in um, – I believe this one was in North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. And it's very normal at a convention for people to host parties in their hotel rooms. You know, just a regular two-bedroom, you know, just like a couple people with a drink here and there, some snacks. George just walks into one of these parties while we're standing there. (laughs) And just has a seat in the corner and grabs a beer. And people are just like, well, hi there. And he just starts 
talking, you know, telling stories and everybody gathers around and just listens. And he's just completely unassuming. He's not arrogant. He's just down to earth, just wants to hang out and talk to like-minded people. He just likes geeks and hanging out with his people. You know, it's really cool. Money doesn't seem to have changed him all that much. He has all this, you know, millions of dollars and he just lives in the, he, he bought, he, he lives in the same house. He just bought the house across the street. So they have like two houses like next to each other. <laughs> That's so two cool. Ca- two castles. Have, like, yeah. 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 They have Divided cats. by Moat. So. No, George. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's cool. uh, so that's kind of become a, that work went so well. What, what happened was, um, you know, my my co-host and, and girlfriend, Ashea, she chatted up with George's one of George's assistants, whose name is Rhea. And she's also an artist. And um, they just, you know, they were going to they left the party eventually. And they invited us to come up and hang out with about five or six other people. And George spent most of that time in the corner talking with someone about politics. But <laughs> You're like, the rest fuck, of us give me a second. Yeah. For, what are you doing? Uh, Trump's conservative views. <laughs> yeah. We've also had a couple of dinners with him, and that was fun. He's just the same thing. You know, people generally kind of defer to hear what he wants to have to say, but he doesn't like force it or just try to talk over anybody. He just kind of he likes to, you know, he likes a good restaurant. <laughs> mm, mm. We had some barbecue at once like and um, good good times. And I can't remember what the other one was, but I can't remember what, what the other restaurant was. But yeah, he's he's a great guy, and, and he. Was it? What was it? A pub. A pub. Yeah, it was like an Irish pub, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And um, another. Uh, so he, he, another story about how approachable and friendly he is. The first time we ever met him was just at a signing. So it wasn't. We didn't. You know, we didn't really meet him, so to speak. We just yeah, got yeah. to say hi and sign something of ours. It's really common, say, even for Game of Thrones actors to charge money for their signature. Yep. That's pretty normal. I don't <laughs> do it. I never pay for a signature, but I kind of understand. They come a long way. It's, they do it for a living. George does not, though. George does not charge for signatures, and he is extremely patient, despite the fact that he has probably signed who knows how many things over the years, uncountable. Mm. We were in line outside of this convention, and everyone was a little nervous that the signing was going to end before we got in. During the signing, someone comes out and says, uh, nobody worry. George has said that anyone currently in line is going to get their stuff signed as long as it takes. Yeah. Fuck, what a leg. That's the kind of guy he is. That's just, that's just who, who he is. He's, and he's not doing it for, you know, just to like for his image or anything. It's just it's all genuine. So it's, it's really cool. He's just a, it makes it all easier being in this fan to know that the guy who created it all is a great person. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. So true. 100%. Um, hey, so... Aziz, do you mind if um, <clears throat> I actually want to get into this uh, uh, sooner rather than later, these questions that I have, because I feel like they're going to be very expansive answers, um, every sure. single one of them. So I just want to ask you the biggest questions that are still out there, I believe, in um, A Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones. Now, your yeah. answers are going to be difficult because obviously a, a few of these, there's going to be... Um, uh, there's going to be different answers judging on whether we're talking about the book or the TV show, but I'll just leave it up to you to answer in whichever way you like. I'm sure. really excited for this, by the way. I'm, I'm really 100%, 100% on here. Bill's full barb down below. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, all right. So <clears throat> the first one that I want to um, I want to touch on is the, the Tyrion the Targaryen theory. Um, <laughs> okay. Obviously um, bolstered by... Uh, Tywin's 
call when he Ty, Tywin's line when he dies, and I don't know if this is in the books or the TV show, or just a TV show. You'll have to um, you'll have to pull me up on this. But when Tywin Lannister gets shot by Tyrion, spoiler yep. alert, anyone that's on season two, no, I've seen, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, he, he says, first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. He says, um, "You are no son of mine." Yeah, um, but there's a million other reasons why um, he could have just hated the bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a million other reasons why Tyrion could be a Targaryen, and I want you to blow everybody's mind with the theories behind this as is okay yeah that's great i'm glad you asked that one because i'm not sure if you know but i've been a maybe not a proponent of this theory for a long time but wow. i since maybe 2004 2005 i've been entertaining this idea yep and the thing is we don't know for sure there's i'm not going to sit here and say he is or he isn't but what i will say is whether the evidence supports the possibility and i think that it definitively does it uh, doesn't mean I think it's true, but the evidence is there. So let's go through some of it. There's a lot of it, and we don't want to. We can't possibly go through all of it, but um, there's a lot of ways to look at it, and there's also some things that might indicate that it's not necessarily that it's pointing to something else. Some of this evidence could point to something else other than his ancestry. Mm-hmm. Now, the so the main bit is that the, right right away, as you're reading about Tyrion in the books, there's dragon stuff from his very first chapter. It's mentioned that he had dreams of dragons as a kid. And is recent, and in the fifth book, Makoro, the you know, red priest who's not in the show, whose visions have been very accurate, unlike Melisandre's, who you know is kind of hit or miss. Yeah, um, he says that he envisions Tyrion surrounded by dragons, old and young, you know, big and small, and him in the middle of it all, um, which is interesting. And of course, like you said, there's several things Tywin said. Tywin at one point said, you know. You know, I can't prove that you're not mine. But he also said, you're my son. He said it a couple different ways. Yeah. Either way, uh, I think one of the common arguments against the thing is people don't like it. I think, honestly, that's one thing that the biggest argument against is people just don't like it. They don't Mm -hmm. want it to be true, which, Mm -hmm. of course, isn't evidence. It's just kind of a hope, you know. And if enough people don't want it to be true, maybe George will not write it that way. He's certainly given himself room to go either direction. He may not have even decided himself which he wants (laughs) to do yet. Yeah. That's his style. Yeah. He, there's, he, he says that there's two types of authors, gardeners and architects. Architects plan everything out and then fill it in. George is a gardener. He kind of goes with his flow and sees where it takes him. And that both that has advantages and disadvantages. We won't get into that because that's, that's kind of far afield from talking about Tyrion. But one of the things that one of the most common arguments against this theory is that people say it undermines his relationship with Tywin. And I, I think that's actually borderline offensive, not not like as a fan. But what it says is if you if you think that Tywin isn't Tyrion's father, not his sire, the difference is father versus sire. Mm-hmm. What does that say to, about what you think of adopted people like yeah, Tyrion, right. Tywin was his father, mm. period. Whether or not it was his sperm that, you know, Tyrion grew from, that's a different issue. Jon Snow is not Ned's son, but Ned was his father, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's the guy who raised him. That was his father figure. And that's what matters. That's, it doesn't matter whether, you know, that's ultimately what it boils down to. I'm someone who never met his father. So, like, this is a little more personal to me. Mm. I wasn't adopted, but, you know. I, You're not son of, um, son of Aerys Ares Targaryen as well, are you? Yeah, <laughs> I am, actually. I am. I dye my hair because yeah. I don't want anyone to know. It's normally kind of silver. I'm more contact. So, I like fire. <laughs> Aziz, what about what about the whole um, what about the whole? Can you touch on like surely there's a, a one of the big parts of playing this is like, and forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, so Tywin left um, Tywin left King's Landing 
in a hissy fit, right? With Aries after they had a big fight and a big falling out. Yes. That ties pretty well into the whole marriage ceremony of the king taking his rights with the bride on the day of the on the evening of the wedding, right? So, like, yes. there is a dr- direct correlation to actually, you know, Aries maybe bit of hummel in the hummus <laughs> with um with um with Joanna. Tywin's yeah. wife and, and the Tyrion's. timeline worked really well. In fact, their the World of Ice and Fire book that came out in 2014 was was very specific that there was rumors that Ares and Joanna had an affair, not an affair, but a relationship. It was before either of them were married, so it wouldn't have been an affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the person who says this didn't happen is Pycelle, and Py, he's like, because Tywin would never. You know, take another man's leavings. Like, come on, Pycelle. What are you talking about? Pycelle is such a Lannister fanboy. There's, that's a terrible dog. argument. He's like, he, Tywin would never do that. It wasn't. He doesn't. He doesn't offer evidence. He's just like Tywin would never do that. Like, I take on, every man's leavings. That's a terrible. Yes, that's a terrible. Leavings argument. are the best so, kind of take. Leavings. Um, <laughs> but it's very specifically said. You mentioned this this example where Tywin was embarrassed because of Joe because he. Uh, Ares basically fondled Joanna during the betting. And then later, uh, he tried to resign, but the, uh, Ares didn't accept his resignation. And Rayella, uh, Ares' wife, sent Joanna back to Castle Rock because she was like, well, I can do something about this because that, that was one of her ladies in waiting. So she resolved the situation by sending Joanna away. Joanna didn't return until 272. The year 272, she visited again. Mm-hmm. And in the year mm-hmm. 273, Tyrion was born. Well. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and let's then someone. can't really put that detail in the book like, ah. So if he didn't want us to think that, if he, want us, if he wants us to think that Tyrion is a, possibly a Targaryen, he didn't, he added fuel to the fire in the world of ice and fire in multiple places. He didn't throw any shade on it. So it could be a red herring. Absolutely could be a red herring. Because yep. his, his arc certainly had to do with dragons. That doesn't mean he is one of them, right? It, yep. He certainly got all he's headed towards probably being on Team Daenerys, as the show has indicated. It's but probably don't, the same thing also, in the books. Don't we also need... That's, um, that's close enough, right? That doesn't mm, mean he has to be a Targaryen no, no, or have the blood. We right? need three dragon riders, though, don't, do we not? Oh, no, but now the Night no. King's a dragon rider. Well, that's that's kind of a funny difference from the book and show, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. If the dragon, if a dragon's gonna die beyond the wall in the books, is someone gonna be riding it when that happens? Yeah, <laughs> you know, is Tyrion yeah, yeah. or someone gonna be on that dragon when it's taken down? Yeah, or, that's right. I, I don't know if that's even gonna happen because there's no Night King in the book. There's no. It might just be no a dragon, without, you know, an undead dragon without a rider. That's just kind of yeah. doing its thing. It doesn't have to have a rider. You know? <clears throat> okay, but pretend I it's pretend, trick, figured I said that one because it's too much of a can of worms. But let's let's <laughs> we, we could we could talk for two hours on every one of these questions. So, uh, if you were to give it a, a rough percentage, what would you say percentage chance of Tyrion being a Targaryen would be? Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I would say about thirty-five percent, and, and that's and, ooh, and to not bad. give you one out of three uh, Tyrions, a little, yeah extra data there before the winds of winter and the world of ice and fire came out i had it at about 20 percent because i was asked that same question i said about one in five but after those two books came out the chance went up because of that specific detail on Tyrion's birth and where joanna was very specific detail added to that book plus the whole bit about um some of the stuff in dance of dragons with Tyrion's uh the makoro's vision and then there's a i don't want to sp- spoil anything but there's a sample chapter 
that from the Windsor Winter that's been released. You know, there's been about six or seven of those released already. Yep. And uh, one of those has a few, a little more evidence for it. I won't, I won't be specific for that in case anyone hasn't read that yet. But yeah, awesome. There's even more than you may not be aware of. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's great. Um, all right. I'm going to skip some of these questions that I had. I wanted to talk about cold hands, but I'm not going to do that. I wanted to talk about the Doom of Valeria, right. but I'm not going to talk about cool. that. Let's talk about. Um, so. Azor Azai, the prince that was promised, the the, yeah. the, the hero of the whole story. Um, obviously, there's a lot of theories there. People, obviously, the one that everyone leans towards is probably that it's Jon Snow. Um, it could be Daenerys. People say it could be Jaime. Um, yeah, but a lot of things. I feel like um, I feel like in the books, the most common answer is not always going to be the one that comes through because this is not a fairy tale, like George R. R. Martin yeah. famously famously says. So. Azor Azai, the prince that was promised, the guy that's going to save the world, or we think, we assume. Um, mm-hmm. Who do you think could be Azor Azai and why? Okay, well, I think the there's what's interesting is that George has given us multiple similar prophecies from different cultures, which is, you know, I guess you could say that's kind of similar to how multiple cultures around the real world have their own version of the flood myth, mm-hmm. right? Which means it probably wasn't a myth, it's something that. You know, a lot of different, you know, it's just been the details are long lost, but there's some sort of thing that they're all referring to that happened in the ancient past. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for this example, it's kind of similar. We have a lot of a lot of possibilities, but, you know, it's also kind of narrowed down um, in, a, in a kind of a, in, a, in a funnier way, I guess. And uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's kind of tricky. We've got it. We've stumped the big dog. (laughs) (laughs) You are no son of mine, as is. (laughs) But so I think what we're dealing with, I think we have multiple people that fit the prophecy, and I think that might be the reason. The answer is that there are going to be multiple heroes. We don't have to have just one hero. Mm -hmm. George, it's kind of been long said that George R. R. Martin loves to break tropes, Mm -hmm. and he does. But if he broke every trope, that would be just as predictable as going with every trope. You're yeah. like, oh, well, it's not going to, you know, something different's going to happen here. Um, and uh, as far as, so I think Azor Ahai is uh, probably pointing to Daenerys and mm-hmm. the last hero, which is a similar legend, but with some fundamentally different details, that points more to Jon Snow. Um, interestingly, the stallion who mounts the world, which is also related, you know, it's the Dothraki version of the yep. same basic prophecy. They all thought that was Rago, Nanny's son, was going to be the stallion that mounts the world. But Daenerys herself is checking all those boxes off that prophecy. Mm. And the reason I think that she fits Azor Ahai better than Jon Snow is this is one particular line that's just really hard to get around. And that line is, um, uh, when the, you know, when the, World is, falls into darkness. Azor Ahai will come again to wake dragons from stone. Boom. No one else did that, but yeah, that's very specific. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty later wakes some dragons from stone, there's really no way around that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's bang on. Question, question, answer. So, yeah. Problem solved. Well, I think that it's going to be, that's the, the big trick that I think a lot of people are kind of like, who is it going to be? But I don't think it has to be one person. I think that's kind of the, the little sideways turn it's going to take that we'll have right. several people that mm. um, and it won't just be one he may leave it open we're not going to George doesn't like to give answers on the truly mysterious stuff he's, he's been out there saying well no we're not going to ever find out if, if the gods are real or not 
for example. Yeah. He's not going to reveal that. Because um, how would anyone know? How would anyone in world ever learn that? Yeah, you know? that's right. So we can't, they can't world. learn it. We can't learn. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no narrator. That's the only way you would ever learn that. You know, it would have to be through a POV. And what POV character can ever learn whether gods exist or not? Like, yeah, that's yeah. Just, it depends on what God. sort of POV you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. So... Um, my next question is the prophecy, um, the famous prophecy with Cersei and the Valon, Valon Car. I'm not sure how you, how you pronounce it. <clears throat> Valon Car, um, yeah. Val- Valon Car. So um, yeah. she's obviously... Uh, the, the, the prophecy is that basically somebody's going to come and, and, uh, and murder Cersei. That's what we're, we're, we're out to believe and yeah. everybody's pointing the towards... The little brother, yeah. The little, the little brother. <laughs> the translation, Valon Car. The, 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 the Valon yeah. Car. So... Uh, she, of course, thinks it's Tyrion. I don't think this is complicated. I think there's a lot of candidates for who's going to kill her and who the little brother could be. But I don't think this needs to be complicated. I think it's just Tyrion. I think it's that straightforward. I think that Tyrion really wants to kill Cersei. And mm. he is clever and cunning enough to do it. And uh, But he's not going to. I think that it's so... I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I think it is going to be Jamie. I think that she thinks it's going to be Tyrion. Yes. It's not. It's going to be Jamie. Jamie's yes. the one that is on the path to distancing himself from Cersei. <laughs> Cersei's kind of going down with her own ship, in a sense, and Jamie's kind of ready to leave that ship, as we saw him burn her letter at the end of A Feast for Crows, and then in the show, he rides off and leaves her. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where we're headed. And I'm not sure that he's literally going to kill her, but I think he probably will. It might just be that his actions lead to her death, but I think he is going to literally kill her and <laughs> die with her, quite likely. Ooh, because... I, um... They, it's been said they came into the world together and they want to go out together, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think he's going to be able to live with himself afterwards, even though he's going to know it was the right thing to do. But she's such a part of him. You know, yep. he's going to, he hates her now, but he's never going to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like learning to hate your mother, but yeah. it's not your mother because, like, he's your lover. It's just something we can't. We can't fathom their relationship, really. Yeah. And thinking about it too much is creepy, so you don't really yeah. want to. <laughs> I think about <laughs> it a lot. It's I'm so a creeper. hard to wrap <laughs> around how much he's wrapped up in her, you know? Yeah. I, um, I feel like myself, personally, that that's the one that George will just definitively give us. I feel like yeah. he's going to be yeah. like, right, we've we've hated these Lannisters <laughs> long enough. You know what? Now we love Jamie. Let's see him go out. I, I totally agree with you, to be honest. I think Jamie's going to make a hero of himself by... Cersei's going to do something that's going to jeopardize everything. Fuck everything up for everyone against the White Walkers. That's that's already happening. But I feel like that's what's going to happen. It's going to be the same scenario where Jamie has to take one for the team. He took one for the team being the Kingslayer when he was yeah. actually saving all of King's Landing. And now he became this figure that everybody hated. He's going to do the same thing and it's going to cost him his life, I believe. What's your percentages, Aziz, with Jamie being the Valonqar, the, the, the little brother? Very high. I'd put it around 90%. Oh, that's a nice one. That's a yeah, nice one. There's got to be some room to be wrong, but, you know, like, for example, Arpel Salek was J, you know, Rhaegar and Leanna being the son, or the father, the parents of John. you know, that's, I'd call that 99.9, you know, nothing's 100, so just for reference, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is up there. It's, it's no sure thing, but... Yeah, I think sometimes we we get a little too deep in the rabbit hole, and sometimes it's because there's, you know, we've been waiting a while for the last books. People just kind of <laughs> think and think and think, and sometimes we think a little too hard on things that aren't really that complicated. But yeah. it pays to be wary of, of our certainty, you know, mm-hmm. and that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, all right, so 
My next question, and this is obviously just more show related, so all the, all the fanboys okay. of the show that haven't read the books. So, who do you think, um, what's your theory on who is the Night's King? Um, I think that they're, the, the Night King is probably a, a Stark. Um, as we've as we're told in the books, the thirteenth Lord Commander, of the Night's Watch, is the one who was became the Night King version in the book, uh, and that's and we're also it's also revealed in the show, which is probably true in the books, that the Children of the Forest created the White Walkers, and it would make sense that they would need people, not just any, they couldn't just make anyone into a White Walker, they would mm-hmm. need someone with. Special blood. That's kind of a theme throughout mm-hmm. all of Game of Thrones. Like mm-hmm. blood, and how, like where your blood comes from matters in different ways. Mm. You know, power in king's blood. We've heard that line a bunch of times. And um, you know, blood is blood magic is a part of a lot of different things. A lot of different cultures. A lot of different traditions. I mean, Miri Mazdur. We see the blood sacrifice to bring the dragons and all that. Lots of different things. Um. So. Yeah. Uh, kind of got wrapped up in my own thoughts there. I don't even know what no, I was no, talking about. No, no, the thirteenth Lord Commander. <laughs> they could thirteenth thirteenth Lord Commander, um, a Stark. Oh yeah, Night King, right? So, not, so I, I think King. it was Makes Stark. Um, we're, we're told that it was maybe the brother of the Lord of Winterfell at the time, um, who would have been Brandon the Breaker, if I recall correctly. No, 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 Brandons. There's so many Brandons. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's Bran Stark. I do not believe this Bran Stark is a Night King theory. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, George is we we certainly saw a little bit of time travel, you know, but it wasn't really time travel, so to speak. It was kind of no. like a, looking into the t- like uh, almost like a time blip, you yeah. know. It wasn't he wasn't fully there, you know. It was kind of yeah. like in his head. He was there. I don't know. I don't know how the books are going to handle that part, but I think it's going to be similar-ish, but not uh, you know maybe even more tragic, <laughs> maybe a little more painful. Yeah, cool. So uh, percentage out of a hundred for um, a Stark being the Knights King, third thirteenth Lord Commander. <laughs> I'd say pretty darn high, not 90, not as high as some of these others, but we'll go with around, we'll go two-thirds, we'll go 66%. Cool. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, so my final question, I wanted to save this one with a bit of time up the sleeve um, with, the, with, the, with the show. So the question everybody wants to know, I have my theory. It's not a well-rounded theory, but I have my answer to the question, um, and I've been saying this for two seasons of the TV show, and... and um, I believe that, that uh, although they differ, the book and the TV, I feel like whoever sits on the throne in the television is going to sit on the throne in, in the books. I feel like that has to be the case. And I don't think they can change that much. You know, I think that would be wrong yeah. to do. So, um, And it's actually been a couple of seasons ago, um, I started to get a vibe for, for where I think it's going to go, which I'll explain after. But I want to get your thoughts on... Um, actually, no. I'll explain mine now because I don't. I don't because I'll steal all your ideas and end up che- cheating. But <laughs> I think that um, Aziz Elka. <laughs> I think my theory is that um, John and Daenerys will have a child. Um, <clears throat> they'll either one or both of them most probably will die. Um, the White Walkers will uh, decimate everywhere, but they will be. Uh, they'll be. Uh, they'll be killed off, and I think that Sansa will sit the throne with her um, husband that was Tyrion Lannister, either as her husband or as her hand. I'm not sure about who's the king, either Tyrion or someone else, but I think Sansa Stark will sit on the Iron Throne. Who do you think will sit on the Iron Throne and why? 
Okay, well, um, two possibilities. I want to throw a slight curveball, uh, but also answer the question. One, I think there's a very strong possibility that there is no Iron Throne at the end. You talk, you're yeah. right. I totally agree that there is going to be a massive amount of decimation. And I think that may involve King's Landing being destroyed yep. uh, or, or nearly destroyed, which would uh, maybe create, you know, make it difficult for anyone to pick up the pieces and rule the whole realm after it's so devastated. However, I completely agree that if yeah. if it is if there still is an Iron Throne at the end, Sansa, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow! I'm totally very with you. good. One of my other one of my uh, regular co-hosts <laughs> feels the same way. Really? Um, I think it's actually become a fairly popular idea. Not popular, but it's starting to gain traction. It was, I don't remember guys. seeing people say that that much years ago, but it's starting to become more of a, a popular idea. It's starting to gain serious traction. It mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. She's the player. She's the yeah. only one who's truly being a player right now. Uh, you know, Daenerys is a conqueror. She's not really an intriguer. She's not playing politics that much. She's mm -hmm. uh, realizing that she is going in a different direction. You know, she's got to do... She's kind of having the same realization Stannis did. Stannis, in the books, has that moment where he realizes he was... <clears throat> He says it, he, I believe the way he says it is, I was trying to win the throne to save the realm, and I should save the realms to win the throne. Mm -hmm. Daenerys is kind of having that same moment. She's already had it in the show. She's going to have it in the books, I believe, where she realizes that she's kind of entitled. She's like, I don't do it. You know, I'm just killing all these people just to get the throne. I don't know. This isn't right. You know, yeah. this is, I, am I really that deserving of the throne just because my crazy ass father had it, you know, and he was terrible? Do I yeah. really deserve it? And uh, that's part of her youth and her arc as she's learning, you know, that it's not just about power. There's some responsibility going on here. But um, mm. but I also agree that there's a very strong chance he doesn't live through the series. Uh, yeah. I think that's uh, entirely possible. Um, if not, it's not likely that she will not survive the series. And uh, John, same thing. I don't know that he's going to make it. And if he does, he's going to be like partly undead or something, right? Like the guy was raised from the dead. I don't know if people would, I don't know if that's a king that people, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work because people are going to know. In the show, they kind of just kind of glossed over that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no yeah. one talks about the fact that he's undead, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, the, yeah. in the books, I don't think it's going to go so smoothly. People are going to be like, that guy came back from the dead. I don't know about him. You know? Wouldn't that and make him more grand, grandiose, have more, more kingly? personality afterwards, you know? Hmm. Wouldn't that make you more, 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 more grandiose, more kingly, more regal, more, more superhuman to have come back from the dead? If I, if I see a guy who's like yeah. a worthy king, True. he gets murdered and then goes, oh yeah, you know what? Fuck that, I'm coming back. Yeah. I'm like, wow, mate, you are obviously my king, yeah. my friend. Well, I'm not here to... You know, that's a good point too because, uh, you know, we have the uh, Varus' king, you know, this young Griff, the fake Aegon mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. may or may not be uh, the son of Rhaegar in the books here and... Their deal with him was they said, well, he's the perfect candidate to be king because he's learned how to struggle. He's learned how yep. to suffer. That's he's a learned great all part of the things. book, actually. Like he's, he's, he's seen it from the bottom. He's seen it from the top. One of my favorite parts but of the John whole book. John has done this far more. John mm. has lived that far closer than, you know, he's, he's died and come back. Yeah. yeah. Kind of get a bit of like, that. <laughs> yeah. It was he's Lord a leader. You know, he's experienced as a leader and yeah, he, he proved that he wanted, he wanted responsibility and got power. Right. This is one of my co-hosts, Sean, put it this way. I think it's really excellent. Daenerys wanted power and found herself with responsibility. Mm -hmm. John wanted responsibility and found himself with power. Mm. And they're both, so they both kind of came, found themselves in the same place. It's like, whoa, this is, I gotta, I gotta do this right. This isn't just, you know, John was more 
I have to do this. I don't want to do this. He wanted to be a ranger. He just wanted to go out and fight and be brave. And he didn't want to hand. He didn't want to lead. But yeah. he's good at it because yeah. because he doesn't want to lead. You know, partly mm, yeah. because he doesn't desire power for power's sake. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's really interesting. And I think that it's part. It also kind of sets him up as a guy that is heroic in a sense. And that those kind of guys. I don't know that there's a place in the aftermath for someone nah. like that because he's such a guy who puts himself in harm's way. Can yeah. you really imagine the wall falling in the books and John not being at the forefront of the efforts mm. to fight what's mm. happening? You know, he's gonna, he always puts himself in danger. It's yeah. hard for me to believe he's going to make it through that's everything. That's why he'll die. He, that's know? why he'll save the day and he will die. And he will die yeah, for, so for good yeah. and he will be happy. He doesn't want to be alive. He doesn't want to be going, going through what he's going through right now. He's like, yeah, I'm, I think he I'm might, here because he they need me. He Frodo a bit, kind of like yeah. he did. He saved the world. But Just off it. He's, he's messed up. He's <laughs> totally <laughs> off it. Although he's banging Daenerys, so... Maybe that'll. Uh, well, if she dies too, then he'll really be sad, right? Like, yeah, that's right. Stop banging. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right, let's get, let's get. I know you you might not have this, but can I get some sort of a definitive prediction for Daenerys, John, Tyrion, and Sansa? Well, what do you think? And Sansa, what do you think it's going to look like if you're in your best bet at the end of the day, Aziz? Okay, so yeah, I think um, either John and Danny are both. I don't see them making it through. I think Sansa lives. I think there's a good chance she's in a very high position of power, if not the highest position of power at the end of it all. Um, and I think that most of the characters who have died on the show are going to also die in the books. Um, and I think we have yet to see the, the, the biggest swath of deaths. You know, the last season there were a lot of deaths, but it was mostly secondary character. That's right. We still have the kind of core that hasn't really been touched in a while. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. early on, there were plenty of top characters dying, but then they kind of narrowed it down and there's like this core that just isn't, kind of isn't touchable. Like Arya, Sansa, Jon, Tyrion, Daenerys. But by the end though, that some of them won't be untouchable. I don't think Arya's going to make it through. Uh, Which is sad because... George R. R. Martin's wife said that if she kills, if he kills off Arya, they're done. <laughs> uh, what a she classic! She named one of their cats after. She named one of their cats after Arya. Just as, as a way to encourage George not to kill the character off, because you'll have to you'll have to kill the cat. Yeah, that'll be really really too. after the characters, but she broke the rule intentionally to try yeah. and you know encourage him to keep Arya alive. Uh, uh, and I also on. think that Gone. I think Tyrion lives. Um, I think Sam lives. I think uh, Davos. Eh, Davos is. I'm torn on Davos, and I'm kind of biased because he's my favorite character. So I'm not sure. I want him. Maybe to Davos be, could be king. That would be awesome. The, like rising from the bottom. He's, that's the cool thing about Davos is he's the only recurring character in POV wise that's uh, that was common born. Mm. Almost everybody else is a noble. The only exceptions are some of the prologue where you get kind of a one off. Yeah. Of someone like on the lowest realms of society which is kind of an interesting perspective that we don't normally get. So that's part of why I like Davos much. Also, he's just like, how can you not like Davos? Yeah, he's just like so genuine and honest. He's and the man. The POV structure allows you to see inside his head. You know, it's real. You know, he's not just talking that way to, to you know, get to where he's going. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so I see there's a good chance it's all, there's no, the seven kingdoms kind of go back to being seven or eight kingdoms. They kind of split apart again. Yep. Or uh, maybe they form a whole new kind of government, some sort of new style. I don't know. Because like, you kind of hear them talking about that at the end of season 
seven there they're talking about um you know differences in government they kind of briefly touched on that and to me that was almost like foreshadowing like huh i wonder if this is end game type stuff if they're you know kind of the seed for Scratching um, the surface up, kind of setting mm, us up for it. So, so, Aziz, uh, if, um, if Sansa does sit the throne, is there any clues as to who or any real threads? And we'll, we'll, we'll get you out of here in a sec, but is there... Because that's the one thing I really feel like it's going to be Sansa, but I can't for the life of me... Tyrion, maybe, like the story of... But I feel like Tyrion is supposed to be the hand of whoever the queen may be. And if it's Sansa, then, then that works. I, I really like that more than him being the king. I really think that fits. But I, for yeah. the life of me, can't figure out if Sansa is queen, then who would sit by her as king? Maybe Gendry, but Gendry is, a, is an amalgamation character from the books. You know, it's a bunch of characters. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on who would, who would be a potential candidate to sit with Sansa? <clears throat> Yeah, um, that is a good question. I think, and it is, it's, you're right to say that it's kind of hard to envision who that might be. Um, there's not a lot of obvious candidates, I don't think. Um, she's not going to marry, you know, John or something. I don't think that would no. be a little too, uh, well, yeah, we don't need to go there. Um, <laughs> John's just banging all these Just, if you just look at the list of characters of who are relatively close to her age, who are like decent people. Like it's there's just not much there. No. <laughs> you know, I for a while I thought maybe a decent candidate was uh, Edric Dane. You know, the, yep. the who Arya meets uh, when she's with the Brotherhood without Banner. Ned, Edric Dane was also Nick called Ned Dane was Beric Dondarrion's <laughs> squire, and he's. I believe George's original plan for him was to have him wield Dawn, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to work anymore because George also originally planned to have a five-year gap but after Storm of Swords where time passed. Yeah. So all the characters could grow up. Dragons could grow up. Uh, Edric Dane was 12 when Arya met him. Edric Dane with five more years is 17, and that's fine for wielding the great sword Dawn and being this, you know, like a new champion of House Dane. Yeah, yeah. And he was set up that way because he was really chivalrous and really nice, mm-hmm. and uh, but also brave. And these are the qualities that you have to have to be the sword of the morning. Yeah. But with the five-year gap gone, he's still 12. I don't think you can have a 12-year-old wielding Dawn. No, no. And uh, that's probably why Darkstar was brought into the story. So I kind of took your question on another direction here. Yeah. But uh, that happens, you know. (laughs) With talking Game of Thrones, it's so easy to go into a rabbit hole. Uh, So, yeah. So I think maybe Ned Dane is a possibility. Gendry is a possibility, though he's maybe... uh, Westeros's um, prejudice against bastards is certainly against him a bit, uh, but I, yeah, I agree with you that I don't think it's going to be Tyrion. I think that's too much of kind of like a happy ending kind of thing. I think mm. it's a little too neat. I, I agree mm. that Hand is is more of a appropriate job for him. He's good at it. Yeah, and um, it would be kind of if we're imagining like a, a new regime comprised of elements from multiple places. You know that they're all kind of compromising to say, okay, we got a Lannister in here, we got a, a Stark kind of in charge, we got other people. That would be a good way to parcel it out. To, that would make sense and be kind of equitable. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's just not a lot of great candidates. I don't. I I don't have a good answer there. It's it's mm. kind of a maybe. It's an argument against her being there at, in that spot at the end, or maybe it's just a 
does she have to have? Does she have to be married? I probably kind of probably does if they're kind of tying the kingdoms all together again. Well, not after if John and Daenerys not if John and Daenerys have a have a child and she's the yeah. queen and the queen until that child is raised to fifteen or seventeen at ruling age. Oh, she'd be like a regent or something. Yeah, yeah, she'd be queen yeah. regent. That'd be then her one. husband wouldn't matter as much. Mm. Um, I liked the guy. Um, I liked Sam's brother when he came in, but then he got toasted. I thought Sam's brother was really good, and I thought he could be a nice yeah. one for Sansa. He's a bit of better bit of ginger about him as well. Yeah, I like that actor too. He was on Black Sails. That's yeah. a great show. And, he was great. Uh, I wish he had been in the sh- in Game of Thrones a little bit longer. That was kind of brief. Yeah, it was a bummer. In and out, get burned. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, f- um, percentage p- percentage of chance of Sansa being queen at the end of it. Ooh. Okay. Well, that. Well, uh, this by necessity has to be kind of on the lower end because there's so many possibilities but I'd give her the highest so I'll say maybe I'll go 40% but no one else gets a higher percent yeah so cool um, there's also you know I think there's a good percentage chance that there is no throne I'll stick in that stick that in there too and I think that's roughly around the same percentage chance or maybe slightly higher that there's just no no iron throne at all at the end cool Uh, Mm. so those are two rows are roughly equal in percentage chance Mm -hmm. I'd say Mm -hmm. alright great well um, we've got to get out of here in about five minutes as easy. We know that. So we're going to um, right. wrap with three questions from me, three questions from Tommy, my friend. Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. My first question is, um, favorite travel destination, somewhere you've been that you love to recommend to other people? Thailand. I love oh. Thailand. I've been there four times. And I, t- I like to tell people that it's the happiest place I've ever been to. And it's it's kind of unexplainable so you experience it, just how, what it's like being around a culture where everyone is just happy and cool and let, you know, kind of just take things as they come. It's until you experience that, there's just really nothing like it in the world. The people, it's really about the, the place is awesome uh, in general, but the people, ooh, there's really nothing like it. Just being around awesome. that environment, it's, it's hard to describe. Awesome, man. I like it. Um, I was going to throw a happy ending joke in there at yeah. the end, but I didn't, didn't, get, the lady <laughs> didn't get the yeah. chance. Didn't get the chance to put that joke in there. So, nah. um, we'll just move on. But um, So, uh, same, similar similar vibe, but somewhere that you haven't been, as is. So, uh, your absolute dream travel destination, top of your bucket list. Um, I would say the... We kind of almost touched on it earlier in the episode. I would say Machu Picchu. Oh, um, nice one. I thought you meant Western. Talk about remote, <laughs> talk about a, a quite a track, but talk about beautiful and uh, that would be something to see those, see that, see that up, go up on those mountains because it's not only scenic just without the ruins, but yeah. the ruins themselves are just from the photos and everything just look like, that yeah, makes me drool. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I've done it. It's one of the best things I've ever done for right. sure. Awesome. Yeah, it's rad. Um, and then my last question is, any book that you'd like to recommend to people can't be Game of Thrones? Yeah, I was going to say, well, uh, number one. Um, I would recommend, let's see, good question. I'm going to recommend the works of H.P. Lovecraft. We talked about the influence of history on George R. R. Martin, but if we're going to name one author who had a big, mm. the biggest influence on George R. R. Martin, it might be H.P. Lovecraft. The other possibility would be Frank Herbert of Dune fame, and there's a few other. Obviously, Tolkien is there's no no mm. discounting Tolkien here. Yeah. Uh, but Robert E. Howard um, and you know and H.P. Lovecraft back in the day, those are the guys that that kind of got it started even before Tolkien. Robert E. Howard's the guy who created Conan that predates oh, yeah. Tolkien, um, and uh, George has been very you know clear that he owes those guys a lot of uh, a great debt for getting the genre going 
and making it what it is today. So uh, awesome. I would say the works of H.P. Lovecraft, a lot of short stories. Um, I would recommend starting with uh, the Doom that came to Sarnath, which features multiple names that appear in Game of Thrones. <laughs> and because George borrowed those names. And um, also, I would recommend The Shadow over Innsmouth. And also, the my favorite is the, the, the term that a lot of people are familiar with, the Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. just fantastic, super <laughs> creepy. The writing is amazing. He packs so much into one sentence. However, the caveat with H.P. Lovecraft is always is that he was a horrible racist. Um, <laughs> 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 however, reading his work does not support racism because the dude – Died penniless in the late 30s, and you're not so. And all his stuff is free. That's the other thing I'm great about. You just go download it for free. Same as Conan the Barbarian. You can get all that stuff for free. Just Definitely wasn't expecting you to come up so with that, not, um, that last line. You're not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Supporting any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Tommy, you're up. All right. Aziz, uh, what do you like to do in your spare time? Well, um, my shirt here says it's a Game of Thrones crossover shirt. It says, uh, that's what I do. I like to climb and uh, I climb and I know things. <laughs> I, I know things. I, I love rock climbing. I don't, cool. I don't outdoor rock Sweet. climb. I'm just an um, avid gym rock climber. And uh, it's good, you know, for being as a podcaster. I sit in my desk a lot. So it's really good to be active. So, yeah, I climb. I do yoga. That's, those are my, uh, that's my way to stay active. And I love to play games. I love board games, computer games. Great. Cool. Nice one. Uh, Reading and podcasts, of course. Podcasts. Yes. I'm not just a maker of podcasts. I'm a huge consumer of podcasts. Oh, nice. good. What are your favorites? Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Hardcore History, good History one. on Fire, yep. uh, Pirate History Podcasts. I love the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcasts. I love uh, Our Fake History. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of his- mostly history shows, baseball shows, and my fellow Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones community shows like uh, Radio Westeros. Uh, Mythical Astronomy, Vice of Fire, things like that. A lot of great, so many great podcasts in, in uh, our community. Great. Mate, uh, who's someone you look up to? Someone that uh, inspires you? Well, interesting question. Um, I guess I would say, gosh, I don't know. Maybe I would say George R. R. Martin himself. It's kind of a cheap answer, but um, <laughs> he's the guy that built all this thing that I spend all my you know life on. And right, I, as someone who didn't, grow up with a father figure i have a kind of a weird sense of of uh um authority figures and who to look up to you know i have a weird kind of developed differently that way so yeah i looked at my mother a lot for when she had me really young you know like she was a teenager when i was born and she went to college got her doctorate and Mm. single mother just kicked ass so um yeah that's uh that's pretty inspiring great man and uh finally if you could invite three people to dinner Dead or alive, who would they be and why? Should we do three um, Game of Thrones characters yeah, that are alive? Yeah, that. Three Game of Thrones characters that are alive. Three Game of Thrones characters that are alive. Please are dead, please are dead, please are dead. <laughs> okay, so Game of Thrones characters. We would have to have uh, Aegon the Conqueror. Ooh. We would have to have... Uh, um, we would have to have the... Bloodstone Emperor, who is a figure from 10,000 some years ago that that may have started the long night according to some Eastern traditions. Wow. And um, I would love to see Aegon the Conqueror in the presence of someone so much greater than him because, you know, he'd be all like, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm important too. <laughs> and, uh, and we'd need Tyrion to moderate it. So <laughs> to, to make sarcastic jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be kind of, I don't know, maybe we'd need a, a couple of different voices in there, but uh, maybe we'd need like a, 
Maybe we need like a Cersei instead to like cause to cause the opposite sort of situation. Instead of the someone coke. moderating, someone to like just like the spark and just screws the whole thing up. Keep it in the kitchen, then light the kitchen on fire. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's great, mate. Well, uh, as is, it's been a, uh, a pleasure, a pleasures, a pleasures. And uh, finally, mate, where can uh, people find you? Anything you want to plug? Um, let us know the name of the podcast again. Cool. Go for it. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's neat to connect with you all from so far away. Um, here in Atlanta, Georgia, y'all are down in Australia, and that's cool. So, yeah, my, uh, <laughs> our show is called History of Westeros, and we are on YouTube. We are on ACAST. We are on iTunes under that name, either Westeros History or History of Westeros. Either one gets you there. Most recently, we've done uh, an episode on Blood Raven, who is the uh, – guy sitting in the tree there with Bran <laughs> that helped Bran out. And mm. he's got a fascinating backstory that involves living for, you know, he was Lord Commander on the Wall, he was Hand of the King, and he was rumored to uh, be a sorcerer, and uh, he was the only Master of Whispers ever to command large amounts of soldiers. And he had his own mm. private guard, <laughs> really fascinating character. The guy, he may have talked to Euron Greyjoy when he was uh, just, you know, in the same state as Bran and maybe awakened him and made him a little crazy. Huge, deep rabbit hole with him uh, as only a character 125 years could could do, you know, mm. uh, such an old character. There's so much you can, you can talk about with a guy like mm. that. So uh, we love to make really long, deep dive episodes that uh, showcase uh, and il- illustrate the depth of the story and how the backstory of George R. R. Martin's world really predicts the future. Almost, uh, he loves to put, he loves to do the history repeats itself kind of uh, angle to things, and it really shows almost everything in the past relates to something in the future. A good, my favorite example is there's a guy uh, who, really young, before anyone, like well before you would ex- have expected, he uh, rode off with his army and conquered a big part of Westeros. And was uh, tricked, was never defeated in battle, was killed during a par- during a peace banner situation, and um, was you know, left no descendants behind in chaos in his wake. Sounds like Rob Stark, <laughs> but mm. it's actually I'm actually talking about the young dragon, as opposed to the young wolf, Daron the first, who was a 14 year old that conquered Dorne, yeah. and uh, his story is a lot like Rob Stark's, but from you know a Targaryen perspective. And yeah, there's, yeah, there's that's so cool. many examples just like that where you're like, you've got this history repeating itself situation, mm. which is pretty true for the real world as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so specifically, but yeah, in general. Awesome, cool, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Aziz. That was uh, that was epic. That was right great. on. Yeah, thanks again for having me, guys. It's fun. Yeah, cool. Good All chat. right, well, uh, that's it from us, and that's a wrap. Alrighty. Thanks for listening, guys. If you liked that one, then uh, please subscribe. You can subscribe via iTunes and then also head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Oh, yes. All of our uh, lovely mugs are on the YouTubes, which is great. And uh, all of our travel content as well. Show notes. Show notes can be can be can be found where Tommy? Show notes can be found on the actual Adventure Fit Travel website, go. my friend. So <laughs> click on the uh, episode category and then look through the uh, show you want to find the show notes and head down and get all your information there. We are also don't forget brought to you by True Protein. Head to trueprotein.com.au. Use the code ADVF for ten percent off and Adventure Fit Travel. Use the code Red Radio for ten percent off any and all trips. 
Oh yeah. Se 